With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference Soon to potentially be 14? We'll talk about that in a minute. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this Thursday episode. Uh, I am joined today by our very, very good friend and usual Monday cohort, JSJ herself, Jamie Steyer Johnson. She's going to be here in just a few minutes. Uh, We're going to talk some Big 12 women's basketball. We're going to talk about women's basketball in general, talk about her covering women's college basketball betting. It's a new thing. And she's got a big, big... Big announcement for Iowa State fans. You guys are going to need to stick around to the end of the episode for that. It is well worth it. I'm excited about it. You're going to be excited about it. If you're an Iowa State fan or just a fan of Jamie's, you need to stick around for that big news bomb at the end of the episode. But first, a couple of things about the Big 12 going on that we want to touch on. Uh, Congratulations to the women's teams who won their games on Wednesday night, Texas beating Iowa State in what was supposed to be a big, big showdown. Unfortunately, Iowa State was without Ashley and Aubrey Jones. Huge losses for the Cyclones, and it it, it could be felt. It was felt. It was very obvious. And that, that's not taking any credit away from Texas. They won that game handily. But you can't ignore the impact of those two very important players being out for Iowa State. Baylor with a solid win over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma goes on the road and gets a big win over West Virginia. Kansas State wins round one of the Sunflower Showdown 69-61 over Kansas in what was a pretty good game. It's a very back-and-forth game there. Kansas made a run, uh, try and get it close, couldn't quite pull off the victory. Then there's the TCU-Texas Tech game, whose ending is a little bit ironic because of what happened on the men's side involving TCU. Asia Holmes hits her only three of the night. She was 0-2 before this, but hits a three at the buzzer to give TCU the 51 to 50 win. On the men's side, TCU had a six point lead in Stillwater with a minute 18 to go. Oklahoma State scores the final seven points of the game and Oklahoma State gets a one point win over TCU. A lot of weird kind of men, women dichotomy stuff we've seen in some of these games we've seen happen to teams lately. It's real weird, real weird. But congrats to TCU, congrats to Oklahoma State, congrats to everybody who got their wins on Wednesday night. Okay, two interesting topics that I want to discuss. Uh, Three, let's run through the first one real quick because it leads to the second. First one being uh, D1 Baseball, one of the better college baseball outlets that you can read from. Of course, we have our our good friends, College Baseball Nation. We'll get the boys on the podcast soon. But they put out their first top 25 preseason rankings because baseball folks it starts in february it's almost here uh big 12 member texas number one to start the year followed by oklahoma state at seven texas tech at 14 tcu at 17 you look at this and you say you know texas is going to leave for the sec with oklahoma at some point in the future maybe it's in 2023 maybe it's not talk about that some more in a minute 
and join the SEC, who is loaded when it comes to baseball. Arkansas at two, Vanderbilt at three, Mississippi State at four, Ole Miss at five, LSU at eight, Florida at nine. I, I can keep going here. Georgia at 16, Tennessee at 19. I mean, the SEC is a heck of a baseball conference, and they're about to add Texas and Oklahoma in the near future. Luckily, the Big 12 has Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and TCU, who have been incredible baseball programs for quite some time. You've got other baseball programs that have been solid and good, Oklahoma and Kansas State and West Virginia. So I think they're going to be fine. Softball, on the other hand, is what we need to address. I am becoming a bigger and bigger softball fan every single season. And it is a sport that I want us to push and and cover more and more. But here's a problem for the Big 12 moving forward. This year, it's great. Oklahoma is number one, defending national champs, number one preseason, according to D1 softball, uh, which is the D1 baseball's uh, partner. At number three, Oklahoma State. Number nine, Texas. That's that's freaking awesome. Two teams in the top three, three teams in the top ten. Here's the problem for the Big 12. Once Oklahoma and Texas leave, SEC, you think the SEC dominates in football. Let me let me read you the top 25 preseason ranking. Uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, which is future SEC teams, Florida, Arkansas, Texas, Missouri, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky. Okay, that will be nine teams. Did I say Texas? The SEC is so good in softball, they're just going to dominate it. There's not another Big 12 team, current or future, on this list. The rest of the Big 12 at softball is going to have to step up a bit. They're going to have to step up. This is a good softball conference. They're going to have to step up a bit. The rest of the conference is going to have to do something. There's good teams in this conference. Uh, Baylor's been good. Iowa State had a really nice season last year. I think they can have another one. But you need Baylor and Iowa State and some of the other teams in the conference to step up and continue to improve so that there isn't a massive drop-off in softball once Oklahoma and Texas leave. This is one of the fastest-growing sports collegiately, and I want the Big 12 to continue to be good in softball. I am an Oklahoma State fan. I have no problem if Oklahoma State just just dominates this conference, but I don't think it's good for the conference. Like You want a solid conference. You want to see three Big 12 teams in the future in the top 25 or four or more to help strengthen the conference, or it's just going to fall way behind everybody else. Okay, the ACC is pretty dang good. Okay, Florida, Florida State. I see Miami. I see Georgia Tech. I see Virginia Tech. I I, I mean, we know the Pac-12 has been a solid softball program for a long time. The rest of the, the Big 12 in softball is going to have to step up. I think they can. I think Iowa State should. I think Baylor can. That's going to have to happen. Okay, I keep hinting at Oklahoma and Texas leaving, and when is that going to happen? And we've all said, you know, we think 2023 is the year. That that feels about right. That's the consensus. But that's not how they're handling things, at least not the Big 12. According to a report by Dennis Dodd of CBS, the Big 12 is engaged in plans to split into two 17 divisions. Excuse me while I go and throw up. Beginning in 2023, amid realignment. Two 17 divisions. That means in 2023, bringing in the four new teams the four new teams of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, and then playing in the Big 12 for two full seasons with Oklahoma and Texas still as Big 12 members. That's the plan that's going on right now. 14-team conference. Uh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, Big 12 is operating under the assumption that both the Longhorns and Sooners will stay in the league for four more years. The current Big 12 television contract with Fox and ESPN does not end until 2025. If not, of course, they would both have to pay something around nine-figure exit fees to get out of the TV conference. 
Can you imagine if the Big 12 really does have Oklahoma and Texas all the way until the end of that contract? Like they do stick it out through 2025. And we get two seasons as a 14-team conference with BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF joining the 10 teams we have already. That would be crazy and incredible. What's funny as all freaking get out to me here is they're going to do divisions. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, The debate of how to divide these up. How do we split these divisions up? There is a thought, or let 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 me quote this properly. One person involved in the process said it would be, quote, easier if we don't reshuffle the deck in 2026. By placing Texas and Oklahoma in opposite divisions beginning in 2023, that would allow the Big 12 to conceivably stay with the same composition of two six-team divisions moving forward without the without Oklahoma and Texas. So basically, we'll put them in opposite divisions because that way, when we remove them, we don't have to shuffle or anything else. But um, one, working, one working group member joked that Texas and Oklahoma should be placed in the same division to ensure that at least one of the programs wouldn't play for the f- football championship. And um, uh, please do that. If this really happens, if Oklahoma and Texas are stuck here for the next four years, please make them play in the same division. That level of pettiness is fantastic. I understand it'd be easy. You can figure out reshuffling the deck. It's not that hard. You've got plenty of time to do so, and you'd have time to figure out what that's going to look like when they leave before they actually leave. So can we have some fun with this? I'm sorry, Oklahoma, Texas fans. Like, I know you're part of the conference, but like the the future fan of the Big 12 and me is like, <laughs> like the pettiness is fantastic. And let's not act like you guys aren't also petty. We're all petty when it comes to rivalries. Okay. I love it. Now, divisions. We're really going to do this? Like, I get it. NCAA rules require you to have divisions when you get to 12 teams and then have the two division winners play in the conference championship game. That's the rule. You could petition to not do that. You could petition to have pods or to have groupings or to, to, to completely just redefine how you do this. I still think you give everybody three teams they want to play every year and then rotate through the rest of them. That's it. What three teams do you want to play every year? Three or four. Every year you want to play, and then we'll rotate through the rest. Like this idea of divisions, and the problem with divisions is this. The dominance last time was so heavy on the South, I think it hurt the Big 12. It's better to put your two best teams, the two best teams, into the championship game until the playoff expands. Now, once the playoff expands, it doesn't matter because your champion is going to get in, Right? Big 12's champ probably going to get into the playoff every year once it expands to 12 and they do auto bids from conferences. But until then, make sure your two best teams that are the ones playing so you have a better chance of putting your two best teams into the games that matter, be it the playoff or the Sugar Bowl or whatever the deal that is made for the bowl games and all that stuff happens. Put your two best teams there, not the two teams that win the divisions because you're going to end up with a year where you've got a 11-1 team versus a 9-3 or 8-4 Probably. Uh, here's the projection of one way the Big 12 could organize this. And again, I hate this. I hate divisions. No divisions. Please, no divisions. We are the No Divisions podcast. I don't like this. Whatever. Uh, a North consisting of Cincinnati, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. A South of Baylor, Houston, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, UCF, and West Virginia. So basically... Here's the thing. I saw somebody mention West Virginia and Cincinnati. If I'm West Virginia, I want to play UCF every year because West Virginia likes to recruit Florida. I think they want to have Florida, UCF, and a team the, the team from Florida on their schedule every year. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, this is fine. I get it. 
uh, as an Oklahoma State fan or as a fan of this conference, like you kick out Texas and Oklahoma and you, you've got a north of Cincinnati, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. I'm glad you keep the four remaining original Big 8 teams together. I really like the idea of that. Um, if you split all the Texas teams off, I get everybody's going to play a bunch of teams all the time. But, I mean, I, I, I still don't love that. I, I don't. I don't think that's the best thing to do. I just, from a scheduling standpoint, I get that it's easy, but like, let's have some fun with this so people can play the teams they really want to play. Because now TCU doesn't get to have a rivalry with BYU like they probably should. Baylor can't have a rivalry with BYU like they probably should. West Virginia Cincinnati would be a ton of fun to see. I just, Oklahoma State now, I mean, they'll play a team from Texas, but now like it's not guaranteed every year and it's not the same ones i just i i don't love it i don't love divisions and this is why let's have some fun with this be creative petition to the ncaa they're going through an entire restructuring let's let's have fun with this this is gonna be a brand new league it's a brand new thing you can make some ways by doing something differently that could hit the conference more than just be like we're gonna have two two six team divisions and the two division winners make the conference Yawn. Thank you. I'm so glad it's 1994 again. Ugh, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like one bit. Not even a little. None. None. But that's what'll happen, and we knew it would be. And maybe they'll expand to 16 and poach the Pac-12, but I doubt it because I, the Big 12 is is the least progressive or aggressive conference that has ever existed, ever. I love it. It's my it's my shtick. We have a network built around it, but whatever. Speaking of the network, uh, 1012network.com. T-E-N-1-2, the word network.com. Chris, my man, shouts to you. You finally got everybody on there. All 10 podcasts. You can find links to every podcast, all of them, at 1012network.com. It's that simple. 1012network.com. You're going to go there. You're going to find every single show. You're going to have a direct link to those shows. It's freaking fantastic. I'm so glad it's up and running properly. All the shows are available there. Our show, Raspy Voice Kids for West Virginia fans, Rock Chalk Podcast for Kansas fans, Funky Frog Pod for TCU, Fire the Cannon for Texas, Feels Like 45 for Oklahoma State, Scott and Holman for Houston, Tortillas and Takes for Texas Tech, Between Two Bears for Baylor, and Midwest Madness, our men's and women's basketball podcast. And um, probably maybe another one very soon. Very soon. I know I said we were going to take the first quarter off, but, you know, things change. Things happen. We'll see what happens. See what happens when we get to the end of this uh, end of this episode. Uh, 1012network.com, 10, at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network is where you can find us on Twitter. Okay? Do a favor. Give us a follow. If you love the show, if you're on Twitter, give us a follow. We're trying to share stuff. 1012pod is the Instagram account. I am working very hard to continually post to the Instagram account on a regular basis, like a couple of times a week, if I can. That is the goal. That is the goal all the time. So I'm going to keep working on that, keep making graphics, keep making some neat things that I, as I find stats and interesting things to post about. going to do that. So go check us out on Twitter, at 1012 Network. Check us out on Instagram, at 1012Pod. Uh, and one last thing before we get to the amazing JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson herself, Home Field Apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. And folks, big new Saturday season three starts this Saturday. Eight schools, basketball-centric, 
It's going to be awesome. They're kicking things off with Cincinnati. Future Big 12 member. We are thrilled for it. Cannot wait to see the full lineup. If the t-shirt they released early for the college football playoff for Cincinnati is any indication of what we're going to get for the rest of the Cincinnati lineup, it's going to be freaking awesome. If you want a shirt from all eight schools that gets released, and we don't know what they are yet, but I do know one of them might be a Big 12 school. If you want to get one shirt from every single release, go to homefieldapparel.com, find the Big New Saturday button, click on it, and the Big New Saturday Season 3 subscription. You will get one shirt from every release at $20 a piece. Normally, t-shirts are $32. This is a 38% off deal. Eight shirts, $20 a piece. You're going to have eight brand new Homefield Apparel shirts. And everyone's going to be surprised because you don't even know what schools are going to be other than Cincinnati and probably a Big 12 school. That's it. There's six schools. You don't even know what conference or what they're going to be, but they're all going to be basketball-centric. So you can guess there's probably going to be some big basketball brands that are on there that aren't on home field already because these are new schools that are getting added. And, of course, they have other Big 12 schools, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Baylor. Did I say Iowa State? And Texas. I'm repeating myself. It's fun. They have future members like Houston, BYU, UCF, and of course Cincinnati coming up this Saturday. If you don't want to sign up for Big New Saturday Season 3, that's not your jam. You just want to buy shirts as you go. Use our promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first order. N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, 15% off your first order. Guys, we love these guys as our sponsor. They make incredible stuff. I love having them here. I cannot wait to see what everything that's going to come out with Big New Saturday Season 3. I think you're thrilled about it too. Remember our promo code or sign up for a subscription. You're not going to regret it. And you're going to be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you have ever seen or worn this year. All right, JSJ, Jamie Starr Johnson, Big 12 Women's Basketball. Big surprise announcement at the end of the show. Let's get to it. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Typically, she graces us with her presence every Monday. Uh, but since she's off this coming weekend, uh, we are very excited to have our good friend JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson, joining us for a midweek episode to talk some women's basketball and some women's basketball betting, of which Jamie Steyer is a pioneer and uh, an expert at this point. Just not, I mean, she hasn't completely uh, paid off her house yet, but she's one step closer <laughs> than she was before she started betting on women. Jamie, welcome back. Thank you. Yes, I I could talk women's hoops all day, every day. So if you're giving me a, an opportunity to do that and then have people listen, I mean, how would I ever say no to that? I mean, I can't promise people will listen, but I can at least 
put a podcast episode out there. Uh, I I think there will be at least one, and that's than I'd get if I didn't do it. So you're listening to me. So yes, uh, that's a net gain. I mean, does your dad count in this case? Well, yeah. I mean, I could always call my dad and he would at least pretend to listen. So uh, we thoroughly enjoy all of the Steyer family uh, and are welcome to listen or to join us at any time they wish to do so. Uh, one of these times we're going to get open invitation for oh, the Steyers. Of wow. Of course there's Big an open time. invitation for the Steyers. How could there not be? <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay. So we are going to talk some women's basketball and a, and a few topics. Now listen, we are recording this on Tuesday night. So before Wednesday's games have been played. So I will, I'll probably talk about the results of those in, or have in the intro, but we won't really broach that. But I, I kind of want to look at the Big 12, uh, just some, some progress being made for for women's college basketball, kind of where the Big 12 stands in the net. Um, and first, like you and I, one of the biggest issues with women's basketball is just <laughs> one of, it is just access to a lot of the same things that the men have to get people excited, right? Yeah. Uh, the NCAA has finally now just going to call it March Madness, which it should have been called forever, <laughs> and they didn't because they're a bunch of idiots. Literally, the NCAA's primary job, we can talk about player safety, whatever, that's nonsense. The NCAA's <laughs> primary job is to run tournaments, and they've been doing a piss-poor job of it on the women's side. There have already been reports that have proven as much that they leave tons of money on the table by treating them like uh, not even secondary products. Like... Like fourth, fourth place. Uh, there is no third. We just left an empty spot on the pedestal because, you know, I don't know. Put your, put your drink there. Uh, but they're finally going to do some things in the right direction. And the other thing we were looking for is, you know, with the men's side, we have Ken Palm. Everyone knows Ken Palm. Ken Palm ratings are a big thing. Whether you feel about them or there's other different statistics and analytics out there to help you kind of try and understand better how teams are doing during the season. And it, I mean, we had to really go and, and do some deep dive digging to find anything from his basketball. I was like, I don't know uh, if there is a Ken Palm for women. And I don't, still not sure there is, but we did find, thank goodness, there's the Massey ratings. These are very exciting. Uh, I've been deep diving through this. Jamie, I, you know, they finally have uh, Bavada finally putting out some some betting lines this year for women's college basketball and WNBA. Like it, it feels like some things that have been long in need are kind of starting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's interesting because I mean, Bovada will put a line out on anything. I mean, it's kind of a funky situation there. So that's not quite as much of a step. I know there's bet three sixty five, but that's only in New Jersey. So like, there's, there's a couple places, I mean, that I go to pull lines, but as far as making it accessible, there's still nothing for women's basketball until the postseason. And I will say having the postseason available is huge. Um, I want to say last year was the first year for that because otherwise it would have been three years ago and there's no way that it was on as large of a scale um, because sports betting, frankly, hadn't been legalized in as many states three years ago so um yeah it's it's big to have it available at least in the postseason and the WNBA is pretty accessible now I know that it was available on DraftKings which is where I mostly bet through um so that's that's definitely something 
Um, but like you said, it's just hard because those analytics aren't there. You know, you don't have as great of lines because you, you have such limited place to pull it from. So even if you're just using it as an informational tool, um, it's tough. And then we were talking before we started airing where I was saying that it's just really tough because it's getting better, but the investment is still so lopsided between men's and women's sports. And so, so many of the people doing really important work in women's basketball are doing it as a passion project are doing it while, you know, having to balance way more than their counterparts on the men's side. And so you have these really deeply involved analytics tools like Ken Palm, you know, those are private individuals and that same concept just hasn't really materialized on the women's side and so I would say and I wish I wish I understood the analytics this is something I'm going to have to pass on as a concept to uh to Eric Steyer because he's he at least knows statistics but you just so desperately wish that some of those resources were there and it's it's really hard to start from scratch which is obviously the issue with so much women's basketball is that it just is newer Women's sports are newer as, as leagues, as um, higher profile, just concepts. And so there, there's so much that will be developed, you know, in 10 years, I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of them, but we're just at this place where people are starting to point and say, Hey, we should be doing this. It just hasn't all happened yet. So it's, I mean, it's a good time to get into it yeah. and to be following it. Absolutely. Um, look, to those who always want to be like, well, nobody cares. Well, nobody cares about a lot of statistically, things. Statistically, you're wrong. Right. Like, <laughs> like, first of all, statistically, you are wrong. It becomes a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy when people don't have access to something. Like, when yes. you don't have access to something, you are going to be less interested in it because it's less readily available. And that doesn't mean that you're not interested. It just means you don't are able to get to it. Well, nobody watches it. Well, do you put it, something on at a time when people are watching tv or do you put it on at a time where people have to go absolutely out of their way to view it like all of that plays into it but we we sit with the lazy take of like no people that people look the numbers aren't the same no one's saying that no one is saying that the WNBA championship game if all things are equal is going to be pulling the same numbers as the nba championship that's fine that's not what the argument is the argument is always nobody cares and if your point is nobody cares you're a lazy idiot, and the reality is, is you don't care, and that's fine. You don't have to care, but you and your small bubble of influence is not accurately reflect how the rest of the world views things. Well, and and most people that are going to like care about this discussion, what I'm going to say isn't news to them, but you're talking about, like I said, much newer products. You know, you 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 look at what the NFL was several decades ago. You look at what the NBA was several decades ago. The WNBA was founded the year I was born. So, you know, we're looking at a new product there, right? And so you're you're just looking the the best way to get a grasp on the direction that these women's leagues are going is to look at viewership percentage changes from one year to the other and if you look at those because you know you you can say oh well no one watches yeah 
yes, again, it's, it's a younger league, but you look at a lot of these men's products and viewership's declining for various reasons. Won't even get into that, but a lot of men's leagues viewerships are declining. Most women's leagues viewership is increasing. The WNBA viewership is increasing. NCAA women's basketball viewership is increasing because they're making it more accessible and people are interested and it's a great product. So it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, anecdotally, I travel um, with women's basketball and you see the environments finally starting to catch up. Like I grew up in a blissful bubble of ignorance as to the reality of most women's basketball programs, because Iowa state has consistently been a top three basketball program in attendance pretty much every year. Um, frankly, regardless of, of how good they are, the good years, they're really, really good. The not as good years. It, I mean, they're still attended better than pretty much anyone in the country. And so then when I started traveling or seeing on TV, I was like, wait a second, why is no one there? And then I had to have that kind of rude realization, but it's, um, it's improving a lot. I've been in some really incredible environments this year, a couple of years ago when I first started. Um, so there's, there's a lot to be really excited about. And I make a point to talk about it on my broadcast too, when we're on the road and it's a great environment because yeah, oh no, you have to like be booed or something. First of all, the players don't really care. They all say that you get energy no matter whether they're cheering for you or against you. Like the environment is positive, but it's just a net positive for the game. So obviously none of that is like specific to any one league or anything like that, or any one conference. It's just overall growing. And it's, it's very cool. It's very interesting. It's, it's a really fun environment to be a part of is like this, you get kind of an extra ounce of rabidity when people, I don't know if that's even a word, but when people are like kind of on the ground floor, like they feel like they're getting in on something for everyone else has really caught on. And that's kind of how women's basketball fans feel right now. It seems like. Well, it's kind of like, you know, finding a band early before everybody else has like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of a neat thing. It's kind of a fun thing. Like you, you get to feel kind of cool and, and different um, to a couple of your points. You know, the NBA started in 1946, the WNBA started in 1996. So the NBA had a 50 year head start. Just, just saying. Also, uh, folks, do you know really what one of the fastest growing sports in college is? It's softball. It's a women's sport. It's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Like, people are paying attention. There's access. Yeah, and look, the athletes continue to get bigger, better and better and better as well. I mean, there's a reason the U.S. dominates in so many sports on the women's side. There's a reason U.S. women's soccer is like the best program. Because our women athletes are so much better than so much of the rest of the world as a as a whole i'm not saying that other countries don't have better at a better athlete than we do what his point is they're getting better and better it's more fun to watch you should be paying attention women's soccer is like don't like i'll watch premier league but show me women's soccer all day it's so much fun um one thing that bothers me as somebody who likes to pay attention to the net rankings and puts together our our net resume breakdowns for the men's side which i will update to, uh probably wednesday night after oklahoma state tcu show by thursday when this goes up um they should be updated um i need to put one together for the women's side as well i wanted to do that this year the problem i'm having is this uh where if you go to ncaa's website and look at the net sheet rankings for the men's side 
you get the the rank, the previous, the school, the conference, the record, record on the road, neutral side, home side, quad one record, quad two record, quad three record, quad four record. So it's nice. You can go and double check. Okay, this is cool. This is how my team is doing in, in the things that matter, the quad rankings. So then you go to the women's side. You go, okay, rank, previous, school, conference, record, road, neutral, home, non-division, what? They don't do the quad like breakdowns. Cuts off there. They don't do the <laughs> they don't do the quad breakdowns. And I'm just like, what the net is very important to the men's selection committee. But it is not the Bible. It is on the women's side. They take it way too close to what the RPI said for years and now it's the Nets rankings say as far as selecting the teams in the tournament. I've had conversations with multiple people. It's like, well, I would thought that maybe during COVID they might kind of play and pay attention. Nope. They stuck to it hardcore. Mm -hmm. So not only do you stick to this thing that is semi-biased by things, you don't even provide the clarity as to why these teams' net rankings are the way they are. So you just kind of have to take them as their word. Like, I really do want to put together a net ranking resume for the women's side so I can see who's got quad one, two, three, and four by what those standards are. And if I remember correctly, the women's and the men's are the same rules, you know, uh, a home win over a, hold on, I got to pull it up. I have it saved. Yeah. Home on a one through 30 is a quad one neutral one. through. Th- I think all the, the, the metrics as to what qualifies as a quad one, two, three, and four are the same, but they're not listed there. And it bothers me as someone who pays That's attention the to thing that. is that it should be a really simple algorithm that you can literally copy paste from one to the other. Like you should be able to just have it pull the information from a different database and everything else should be the same so why is it not the literal exact same web page for both i don't know i don't understand it i i just i don't and that all. should be like i don't i don't know how coding works but considering you already have the entire infrastructure and process i feel like that would be like maybe a day's work and i would think less but i was gonna be generous with it since I I have no background whatsoever in that. So uh, I can copy paste a landing page code and put it on the other one and, and change right. a few photos and text real I, pretty, pretty I was quick. trying to be generous. Nope. Like I said, I am like, not, I am, I am, I can't maybe build they a lost website. the database that they were pulling from. I don't know. Sure. I'm not giving them <laughs> any. Not that the NCAA needs my generosity as far as that no, goes. They don't. Uh, <laughs> looking at the net rankings without an understanding of who's quad what i am going to try and work on that it's just you know it's time um iowa state leading the charge no surprise there at number seven followed by texas at eight uh we're gonna go down to kansas state at 20 baylor at 23 oklahoma at 24 kansas at 40 west virginia at 53 and that's pretty much like or 52 60 is typically a cutoff point as far as at large goes. Um, below 60 is Texas Tech at 68, so they got a lot of work to do. Oklahoma State at 74, TCU at 137. I, I, I'm really interested in. We talked about the Massey ratings, and they do have Massey ratings for the women's side, um, and, and they have their own ranking system. Uh, Iowa State is at six, uh, Texas at nine. So there's some similarities here, but there's some drastic differences here compared to the net rankings, which were updated. Um, uh, as of we're recording this on Tuesday, as of Monday night's games, uh, they've got Oklahoma at 12 net has them at 24. So I'm really interested because again, it's like comparing the net rankings to Ken Palm. One is looking at how you performed based off of this formula. One is looking at a combination of things to give you an accurate ranking. 
I did not expect to see Oklahoma ranked as high as they are, and they've got Baylor at 18th. So, I mean, it, they've this has Iowa State, Texas, and Oklahoma. I mean, it's we're, the difference of 12 to 18 is six spots, but to see Iowa State a full 12 spots higher than Baylor in here is pretty interesting to me. Yeah, and, and what I am very intrigued by with the – like the algorithm, whatever they're using for Massey ratings is that they do give the expected wins and losses for the rest of the mm-hmm. season. And obviously there's, it's hard because in the big 12, there's going to be a lot of up and down. Um, but very notably, as far as the teams go in the top 20 on their rankings, the big 12 teams have on average, many more expected losses than anyone else up there, just because you've got kind of that paired, you've got those four teams up there in that top. I mean, Iowa State has 4.19 expected losses. You can round that down to like a four. So they're expected via this algorithm to go nine and four over their last 13 games, which certainly wouldn't be terrible. um, But you look at um, just one spot above them, Louisville's expected to have 2.8. So about three losses and nine wins, but it, it's just really interesting when you start finding those statistics that you can point out and be like, yeah, like the big 12 pretty good, <laughs> you know, like they're this high and this is how many losses they're expected to have. Like it's, I don't know. I really like it. And then as far as Oklahoma goes, Baylor, Baylor still gets a boost in polls because of Baylor, because they lost the teams that look good. Um, but Oklahoma, I think is underrated K state. I still think is a little bit underrated despite their loss, um, to tech. I, I just think that it's, it's hard. I say it's hard before we get into conference play because you haven't seen them play against each other in conference and then you get into conference play and it's hard because there's so much parity that from one game to the next different game plans can affect it so much I don't know I just wish that like we were talking about there was more metrics you could use to kind of cross-reference and see where they're at but it is nice to have at least a couple that you can point at and say okay here's where we're sitting here's the really big discrepancies where are they going to kind of normalize to over the course of the season because once you get through your first round of playing everyone once that's when I think you can really point at it and make really really good educated opinions on where people are because things change less after round one but you know your point on the big 12 everybody seems to have more losses in the big 12 like I do think it's interesting I have always thought this is what hurts the Big 12 by being at 10 teams is you're guaranteed more losses because you have fewer teams. There's fewer easy wins at the bottom of the conference, so you're going to stack up more losses, right? And everybody looks worse. But, you know, if you look at the Massey ratings, what's interesting is South Carolina's at one, uh, Tennessee's at four. Okay. Uh, the ACC has NC State at three and, and Louisville at five. Then Iowa State at six. But after that, if you look at the top 21 teams, there's five Big 12 teams. SEC has four. The ACC has three. I mean, and you have to get down to, hmm, for the ACC, down to 27th place to get to five ACC teams. You have to get down to 31st place to get to five SEC teams. So, like, part of this is, like, you know, 
we talk about the SEC and women's basketball all the time, and and for for good reason. But I kind of think this year the Big Twelve is the best conference because of the strength at the top of the conference. And again, TCU, OSU, Texas Tech—they're on the bottom. But Kansas is a quality program, and so is West Virginia. You look at seven of the ten teams being possible tournament teams and the big 12 could get as many as seven bids in depending upon what west virginia does with the rest of their season that'd be quite a few for the big 12 and it's looking like the big 12 is arguably if not the best conference this year a 1b to someone's 1a yeah it's it's really interesting because the argument is based on how you define the best conference which it always comes down to semantics but the sec having two of the top four programs in the country, eh, depending on which metric, two of the top five by pretty much any metric, is a lot of what people point at. And then, like you said, you know, they still have several of the top ones. But when you look at the concentration, it's exactly what you're saying. The Big 12 has the highest concentration of the top teams. It's 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 really crazy. Um, I think that the bottom of the big 12 is probably better than the bottom of the SEC. I would have to do a little more digging to like statistically prove that, but it, it's just really interesting because it's the middle of the pack that's really stepped up in the big 12 this year. No one expected anything from Kansas. I mean, maybe that they'd be a little bit better than last year because they have people coming back, but nowhere near what they've shown this year. And then you've got obviously K-State making huge jumps. You've got Oklahoma performing so well. It's It really is fascinating to see the development because the Big 12's always been good, but this feels like almost an all-time year for them yeah and i mean it is interesting that the best year in the big 12's had in a while is also the first time we've seen where the conference is really truly up for grabs uh, it's not just dominated by baylor whereas usually you know you're getting the baylor bears they're in the lead even last year when things were crazy they still won it pretty comfortably baylor is one and two in conference play iowa state's five and oh like I'm not saying this is over yet, but at 5-0 for Iowa State, 4-1 for Oklahoma, I this feels like it, this is the most open. And I don't mean that as an insult of like Iowa State's 5-0, they should be the favorite. This is more of a like, it's always Baylor. And I don't think it's Baylor right. this year. Like, I think it could be Iowa State. Oklahoma's playing well enough to, to justify a shot at this. Kansas State's not, like, this is more yes, open than it's, it's been in a long it's time. It's not a shot at Iowa State because five games in, you can't really call a shot one way or no. the other. But it's it's really very evident that the early results have kind of subverted people's expectations where you figured, okay, Baylor maybe hasn't looked great during non-conference, but they always pull together during the conference. Okay, you know, Texas is supposed to be a really strong team. They'll just go out there and they'll do kind of their thing where they lose one here or there, but they'll probably be up there. And just there's been a lot of teams that look really strong some nights, and then they go out and beat. Like, I think one of the best encapsulations of the league right now is Kansas State looking – just so impressive you know 
leading the entire game against Iowa State, losing it in the final seconds, and then going out and getting completely shut down by Texas Tech. Like, that's just not something that anybody would have predicted. But when you watch it, it's not like, oh my gosh, this is a one in a million meltdown, whatever. It's like, that's just the results of a solid game. Welcome to the Big 12. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Something interesting, uh, her hoop stats, who the part of the Big 12 has partnered with um, as far as getting some stats out and some things each week, which is really neat. Um, this is a neat website. I'm going to dive into some more, but they have something here, top NCAA players by win shares, which I think is really interesting. Um, number two on this list, there's three in the Big 12 who are here in the top 10. Uh, number two on this list, Aoka Lee, uh, who's got a 7.4 win share, which is crazy uh also on this list ashley jones of iowa state uh, at 6.1 and then Alyssa smith down at the bottom at the top 10 uh from baylor with 5.4 like does this feel like how we should be defining who the player of the year in the big 12 race is 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 looking at these three that's i mean that's a really good place to start (laughs) these three players are are worth the most wins those are some pretty good arguments (laughs) i mean and and it's not like there's anyone jumping out there that you're like where did that come from you're kind of nodding your head like uh yeah that's not totally shocking i mean it's it's a measurement that you probably aren't seeing a whole lot but it completely tracks with what the eye test is saying yeah i i know you have some biases uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you uh, like two minutes to just say whatever you want about Ashley Jones. Cause I know you love to talk about her. Oh, uh, I, I do. It's, it's hard because I mean, she obviously has a great reputation naturally or nas- nationally words. Um, but the development that she's shown this year is just really impressive. And I think kind of flying under the radar, like she's always been a great scorer. She's always been a great rebounder, but she's gotten so she's always been pretty smart too, but she's learned to kind of share the weight a little bit where for a long time, well, I've got to do this for my team. It's always for the team. It's not, it's not coming from a place of selfishness, but it's a feeling of, if I don't do it, I don't know who else will. And there's just this sense of trust this year. Like this team is again, I'm, I'm biased, but if you came in as an impartial observer, I feel extremely confident that most people would completely share in the sentiment that this team is really got a special sense of teamwork togetherness of trust in each other. And so her assists are up. She makes better decisions when she's on the court. She doesn't force shots up quite as much. I know that uh, something that coach Fenley's talked about uh, is, is making sure that she doesn't have to carry quite as much of the load and making sure she gets to, you know, sit down and take a break because physically you can only do that for so long. And so is she playing the majority of the game still? I mean, yeah, absolutely. But it, the development is more with the mindset than, oh my gosh, you know, she's averaging 10 points per game more. Like she's, she's averaging fewer points per game, but her percentages are better. And just when she's playing it, it looks so much better. It's just a really great team basketball right now. And so it's, it's really impressive. I didn't know what to expect as far as a jump because I, like she was performing on such a high level last year. And then this year has just been really incredible. 
All right, Jamie, I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, I want to wrap up on this. Uh, we talked about this each Monday when you're on the show, but um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, you have been putting out the Big 12 women's basketball betting lines each week. Uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, what has this experience been like for you? Like, I hate to do the like, talk to me about, but um, <laughs> like, how has how has this experience been? What has it been like? What is the response you've seen from it so far? Yeah, well, cool because it definitely flies a little bit under the radar. Um, just because I I do put out a good bit of content just in general. Um, a lot of cyclone stuff. Most of my following is, is the cyclones. Um, and obviously I don't pick the cyclone games. So that definitely takes away a little bit from some of the engagement, but no, it, it's cool because, you know, we've got people from the 10, 12 who have kind of caught on, have gotten into it, have, you know, follow along when I'm posting it, share it with their followers, uh, let it generate a conversation. Um, and I think that the biggest thing I take from it is, is, is both satisfaction and that I think it's so interesting and just frustration and that I see how how big it could be how much it could mean and it's just not there yet and I'm an impatient person like statistically speaking I it is proven well not proven it is shown that being able to bet on games increases viewership and, you know, I was telling you, I, I found a poll um, that kind of speaks to it. The Harris poll saying that it incre- betting on sports increases viewership and enjoyment among sports bettors. There's also indications that, you know, women are an underrepresented portion of sports bettors. Obviously, have your own vices. Like, that's, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, there has to be equality. Have as many women betting sports. I don't really care about that. But, um, it is interesting that the eight in the 34 segment is by a pretty wide margin, the largest age group of women that bet. And so when you're seeing the growth in these leagues, you're seeing the growth in accessibility as far as watching these leagues, you have to think that whoever jumps on that train first and makes it easier to bet on those games, because like I said, WNBA, pretty much a thing now some of the soccer leagues i believe are bettable i don't know i don't really follow much outside of basketball as far as betting goes but to make the ncaa bettable i mean if you can watch a game that occurs in the middle of a day on a weekday from those smaller conferences just because you want something to bet which i know is a thing that a lot of my big better friends do you're you're gonna watch women's basketball and especially with with ESPN kind of making Sundays a big day to have women's games playing like all day on the networks. Why would you not want that to be an option? Like you make money off having games available to bet. I understand it's difficult to get all of the infrastructure laid down. I'm not taking away from that, but like I said, I'm just impatient. Like want to see what comes next because I feel like it's going to be really, really cool and a really big kind of growth potential, really high ceiling. So it's cool to have people like care about something that I care about though, because half the time I feel like I'm kind of yelling into the void. And so now that I'm putting it out into the real world, instead of 
just the void, even though Twitter kind of feels like both sometimes. <laughs> um, the fact that I can tweet it and get it out of my own brain, like get the idea out of my own head and have other people say, no, I agree with you. Like you're not just hanging on to something that no one else cares about. Like people agree with you. I don't even like Sarah Fuller, you know, who the, the kicker, um, was tweeting about it this week. I got tagged on the tweet by Steph Copley, like talking about why, why isn't this a thing? She's like, I'm not a statistician, but I'm a business person. And so I'm looking at this, like, why isn't women's sports bettable? And I'm in the replies like, yeah, <laughs> why? <laughs> you're preaching to the choir so the more people that kind of join that chorus i think the better so i'm like, excited and i will be banging that drum like crazy 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 during the postseason when it's accessible to everyone because if you can show some numbers from that you've got all off season to put together your algorithms right <laughs> with some of the nonsense that people are able to bet on the fact that women's sports are less easy than like marbles uh marble races uh is absolutely right. utterly ridiculous nonsense we got to get past this this stuff uh jamie i think you do great work i love that you were part of the 10 Toll podcast um and and i love that you are going to be even more involved with the 10 12 network uh we've been saving this all nugget to the end do you want do you want to yes. do you want to make and it official an Easter egg if you make it to the Ooh, end. Oh, um, that's, okay, so I will t have teased this in the intro. So this is why you stick around and listen to the whole podcast and don't bail and like talk about go. nonsense. Um, no. Yeah, so I mean, we, we talked about this a while back because this almost got launched months ago before the basketball season. And then my brother had to go mess everything up. But um <laughs> by having the audacity to be asked to join the team to join Iowa State's uh, men's basketball team again. But um, I have decided it's time to launch the Cyclone Family Podcast. Um, I'm going to be hosting. I will basically bringing on all sorts of people connected to the university, um, whether that be former players, you know, coaching staff, athletic department members, or people just affiliated in some way, fans, things like that. Um, I, I've got a couple connections that I think I can probably pull on to get some really interesting guests. Um, I have a ton of really cool ideas lined up of people that I feel extremely secure will accept my invitation um but we'll talk a little bit of what's going on right now we'll talk a lot about how they got involved with the school because i just think that um iowa state's fan base iowa state's relationships between people who have been a part of the athletic department people who follow it it's really special and obviously i grew up in it so i just want to have somewhere that the Cyclone family, so to speak, can all come together and, and kind of celebrate what we love about this university. So I'm I'm super excited. Uh, we are thrilled. We were so excited when this was about to launch before because, you know, obviously we haven't had an Iowa State podcast. Um, it is one of the fan bases we have not been able to serve to the extent that we have wanted to. I know we said we weren't going to add any new podcasts in the first quarter, but technically this isn't a new one. We were going to have this one and then it got put on the shelf shelled. for a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're officially adding an Iowa State podcast. I could not be happier to have somebody hosting it than you, Jamie. Um, I think you bring – I don't know who covers Iowa State better than you do. Uh, 
through both just a passion and love for it and a connection to the to the university. So uh, very excited for that. Cyclone Family Podcast. You can find it anywhere podcasts are available. You can follow them, a Jamie's show on Twitter at Cyclone Fam Pod. Follow Jamie on Twitter at J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Uh, go check out the podcast. There should be a teaser episode up. First episode should be coming out soon. I'm not putting a date on that because I'm not going to put pressure on Jamie, but um, very excited to have you as part of the network. And, you know, I will send the link and uh, hopefully the updated logo to Chris, and it might be at 1012network.com by July at that rate. So just <laughs> I'm going to keep trashing him until he gets it done. But I'm, I'm not even going to hold back anymore. Jamie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I know that women's basketball is a passion for yours of yours. Uh, it's something that we care about here, of course, as a, a Big 12 podcast and a Big 12 podcast network. So good luck to your Cyclones. Good uh, good luck calling the, the games this season. And we will talk to you the next time you are on the show. Talk to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.